Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome in to another edition of Rick and Bubba University, the podcast. Professors Bur- Burgess and Bussy here handing out degrees. Now, who are those guys? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know who they are. You, it's almost like I've been doing a show already today. Uh, and my mouth has no more words. But I will tell you, Bubba, we are excited. Uh, this is going to be quite a journey. Um, the, the book is called Glory. The Struggle for Yards, and you can find it wherever you get books. You can go to Amazon and find it there. Gary Burley is uh, is going to be our guest. But also, uh, we have Donna uh, Francavilla, who uh, who co-wrote the book along with Ralph Brooks. But we have two of the three uh, that put together this incredible uh, book on, on, a, on a part of history. You know, when you think about you know Black History Month, you think about the history uh, of our country where we are located in Birmingham, the the center of the civil rights movement. A lot of stories, you know, you've heard them and you're pretty familiar with them. I will tell you, this book is going to document some things that I knew nothing about. I, I didn't know about these historic men yeah. uh, that are documented here in the, in the book. So without further ado, uh, let's welcome Gary and Donna to Rick and Bubba University, the podcast. So, so Gary, hello. How you guys doing? We're good. Donna, hello. Hello. Yeah. Happy to be here. Well, we're, we're glad you're here. Why don't you kind of, either Donna, Gary, either one who wants to take the lead on this, why don't you tell those that are watching or listening to this podcast, what was the inspiration for this book? What were you hoping to accomplish? That was Gary. All right, Gary. Well, I, I tell you, I in 2014, I had cancer, and I was in the hospital for um, like four months, and I met... Um, gentleman that played for the Pittsburgh Steelers and we started keeping in touch with each other and we we started talking about doing a book or doing a you know some kind of promotion for it and he passed away and I started thinking more and more about the book and I met Donna in her neighborhood and we started talking and she told me she was a author author and a journalist and the whole nine yards so I started thinking, you know, let's put together something that tells the story of the first African-Americans in the National Football League. This has never been done before. And that's how it started. Well, it, and it, it blew me away because I thought, you know, when you, you we, we do the Wednesday Bible study here, and I met Gary in there through through a mutual friend, and uh, and he was like, you, you realize this is Gary Burley that, that played for the Cincinnati Bengals? And I said, no, I, I didn't I did not realize that. And, uh, and of course, you know, you're a very humble guy. You weren't bringing any attention to yourself. And he started telling me about this book. And I was like, okay, well, we'll, we'll talk about that. And we talked about your nonprofit, which we can get into before we're done. Mm-hmm. And um, I didn't think about it. Honestly, when I heard the topic, uh, the first African Americans to enter the National Football League. I kind of thought, well, I'm familiar with that. I think I know who these people are, but I found out pretty quick. I really didn't. Yeah, mm-hmm. they're they're a little bit before our time, right, yeah. Of being a avid football watcher. Mm-hmm. So a lot of this was history we have not lived yet. Now we we did live some of the history when you played, and we were talking yeah. before the uh, the show. I think you you hurt my quarterback Fran Tarkington one time. Uh, <laughs> You know, I'll tell you a funny story about that. 
Fran came to Birmingham for a uh, an event, and he was on the uh, stage, you know, promoting the event, getting up. Right. And when he stood up, he saw me on the stage, and he goes, "Gary Burley, get your big." <laughs> right up here on the stage so I got up here and he started giving me all these accolades and all this stuff and then the last thing that he said was it was a fair hit when he broke my leg you know they had the ambulance they had all these people that wanted to boo me and all this stuff to get me out of the stadium I had to have a escort to get out <laughs> of the stadium and then we we ended up being best friends after that but it was a clean hit clean hit yeah now would it be clean today yeah Okay, so now, even even under today's rules, yeah. But but you're interesting. Your football prowess, sixteen years, right in the in the NFL, ten, uh, ten years. Okay, ten years, and then your last year you played with the Falcons, right? right? So you're with the Bengals. You you have a Super Bowl, which is you know not many people get to do that. There you there, go. There it is. There's a Super Bowl ring. I think that was eighty eighty one somewhere mm-hmm. in there. So, but before that, I did not realize till I started reading parts of the book that you really were not recruited. Um, and as as a player out of high school, and and your mama took you to a football camp, and I told Bub on the show today of all people to be the f- person who took you under his wings, the assassin. Yeah, Jack Tatum. Jack Tatum and John Hicks uh, were two Ohio State football players, and they they gave me the opportunity to go to a football camp. And once they saw my speed, they said, "Wait a minute, you you got to play." Right. I said, "Well, you know." Let's work on it. So I went to work with them, and I learned how to to be a football player, actually. And uh, Jack and John, they're no longer here, God bless them. Um, they raised me. So that's how I got to be football. Does that explain but, his intensity? Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the was, person who introduced okay. me to football is Jack Tatum. So <laughs> so we, ha- we have to ask. I, I don't want to get chase too many rabbits today. Okay. But with you, Gary, we could chase a lot of Yeah, them. we could. Uh, Jack Tatum, was he as mean – as his persona on the field? On the field, he was a madman. You know, that's what they called him, the assassin. Yeah, right, yeah. yes. But Jack, was a, he, was, he was a nice guy until you made him not so nice. Right. And that's, that's how he happened. That's what, that's what he did. Yes, I think, so you're saying, I want to be sure I'm clear because I think that's what you're asking too. Is he one of these people, you're talking to him off the field, and then when he goes on to the field of battle, he flips a switch? Yes. So he wasn't because like that we, off the field. We no. hear yeah, that yeah. there's people that were mean on the field, and they just continued that through life. <laughs> right. You know. <laughs> no, no, Jack was a good guy. And, uh, well, look, he, he, he tutored me. So, right. you know, he had to change some kind of way. <laughs> right, yeah. But any, anyway, we enjoyed it, and uh, we spent a lot of good time together. We went to basketball. You know, I, I played basketball in high school, so – Jack and uh, John went to some of my games and that kind of stuff. But they kept me in the loop, so I end up being the, a four-year All-American because of these guys, and, and I'll never forget what they did for me. So why Pittsburgh? Uh, what, what, so when, and when I say Pittsburgh, I'm talking about college now, not, not the pros. So how did you end up being the All-American for, for Pittsburgh? How, why Pittsburgh? Was that were they Because you weren't highly recruited at one point, but once Jack and John got a hold of you, it became a different story. What was the college football recruiting experience for you? Well, the college f- football recruiting experience changed in two years of junior college. Mm-hmm. And after junior college, I had every – offer in the world okay you know so 
I picked Pittsburgh because uh, Johnny Majors <laughs> was my coach, and, and mm. he sent um, was it Jim Dyer, who was my um, line, defensive line coach, stayed with me all night long the night before we were picked, and they would not let me go anywhere <laughs> until the you know the this actual signing was done, and that's how I ended up in Pittsburgh. And when I got to Pittsburgh, the first day that I got there, this little guy, I think he's like 150 pounds, and his name was Tony Dorsett. Oh, boy. And we got together and started hanging out, and, and uh, he was my roommate in college for, for a few months. And then <laughs> everything else just went from the University of Pittsburgh to the National Football League. I mean... It was just magic, right? And 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 of course, uh, you 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 went to the Bengals, and in those days, there was no free agency. There was not. I mean, so you once you were picked, that's where you went. That's where you went. And the draft wasn't the show that it is no. now. You no. just you were just sitting no, in a room no. waiting on a phone call, right? I, I, that's all I had was a phone call. You know, I, I wasn't sent to a to a, a one of the draft shows or anything right. like that. You didn't have a stage no, and have hats and number that. one jersey. Because you went in the third round, right? Yeah, still really round. high picked, yeah. Yeah, but um, I, I couldn't ask for better. A better team, a better uh, coaching staff. And first of all, the guy that uh, took care of me was uh, Paul Brown. And I love that man. I oh, love boy. him to this day. And uh, without him, I don't think I, I would have done as Great as I, I mean, good, good as I was. Is it true because the Bengals and the Browns uniforms look so similar at times? Is is is, it, is that because of that relationship of those two franchises to Paul? Because sometimes you look at it and you see the Bengals. And didn't he start the Browns yeah, yeah, and then go to yeah, the Bengals? Yeah, yeah. So, and it looked like he just everywhere. And he, they just kept his yeah, name as the team, right? right. Yeah. So is is it, because the uniforms that sometimes you know it is a some of the hues we, at times were very similar. Oh no doubt about it. You know, yeah. I mean there was there was a lot of sim- similarity to the Bengals. Uh, the first, not the Bengals, but the when the Browns. You know, he was a coach at the Browns, right? And uh, he had a lot of influence to what he wanted to do, and. I'm not sure about how it happened, but I know he got fired. Yeah, I know. And, and they kept uh, his name, which you said is on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, everything that he did, um, he had a, I don't know, this guy was just amazing. Well, what, yeah, yeah, what, now, what, how what, did, yeah, what do you mean by yeah. that? How did he separate himself from everybody else? Well, you know, Paul was an inventor. You know, that's what he did. He invented the helmet. The, the, not the helmet, but the uh, face mask, the mm. first face mask. I mean, I didn't, I didn't know that. Yeah. So, so we're playing with no face mask until Paul Brown says we need to cover our face a little bit here. Right. I think that's what he did. He I'm not sure, it, but he developed it. Yeah, he developed it, and also all these other inventions that he had. So mm. you know, Paul. I mean, in a, the NFL wouldn't have been the NFL without Paul Brown. But far as a player. You, you were talking about how you loved him. I mean, obviously, yeah. there was some relationship yeah. there. How did he influence you? <laughs> he told the truth. Okay. He would not let me do anything out of the way. He told me to work out. He told me to w- when to be places at the, at the right time. And that's, and that's something that I always learned. Structure. It, structure. He, he was all about structure. Mm-hmm. He was all about structure. And that's how, you know, all the kids in our program now – the Pro Start program. Yeah, we'll talk about that. Yeah, done, yeah. but um, 
that's how I learned to be a part of that. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. there's so many things that he was good at and so many things that he taught me and so many things that I'll always remember. Now, I hate to bring up the word process, but it sounds like he had a yeah, system. A system. Yeah. And you worked inside that system. A systematic approach. That's what and, he always and, said. And, and, you some, did, and you didn't buck the system. No, no. <laughs> and, and sometimes when you're being put in that system, you don't always appreciate right. it. But as you see the results, and then especially a lot with me after it's over, you go, wow, that was really, oh, I yeah. really needed that. Oh, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. We'll come back. We'll continue our conversation with Gary Burley and talk about the book, The Glor- Glory, The Struggle for Yards, when Rick and Bubba University, the podcast continues right after this. This is the Rick and Bubba Show. Watch more at blazetv.com slash Rick and Bubba. Rick and Bubba, Rick and Bubba. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Gary Burley is our guest. Uh, also, we have Donna uh, Fran- Francavilla is with us today, have co-authored the book. So, so Donna, we've talked to Gary a good bit, and we will get back to that. Uh, when, when I was sitting here on the show promoting the podcast this week, and I looked at Bubba, and, and I said, some of the people I want to mention uh, out of here, uh, I'm going to throw these names. And like Bubba said earlier, we had not heard of any of these names, and these are men who were pioneers uh, in, in professional football, uh, but I never expected that you guys would cover uh, one of the pioneers being the first African-American official to officiate professional football. So, so talk to us about that story. Well, when we went through and, and tried to decide on who we should feature, we tried to choose people who were truly outstanding and not only outstanding in their fields and the first, but also had good character. And so um, that's how we narrowed it down to these five. Um, and we wanted most of them to focus on pre-NFL as w- and early NFL. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was the, the other criteria. Um, and then, uh, now, are you talking about, who are you talking about? I'm talking, I'm talking about Burl Toller. Is it Toller? Oh, Toller. Yeah, oh, the, my God. Toller. He's amazing. Yeah, and he was a phenomenal college player. Yes. Uh, was, but I know when we say some of these things, if you're younger out there, you honestly can't believe that society actually operated this way at one time, but uh, you know played on a team that was denied, uh, you know going to a bowl game even though they were undefeated because right. they wouldn't let them play in the game unless the two black players didn't play, and of course they refused to do that, so they got kicked right. out, and he was on that team, uh, and then you know obviously did not you know with with professional football and the limitations that were going on there. He actually made an impact by being one of the first officials. As we did the research, uh, and I mentioned to Gary, you know, we need to really highlight the discrimination that took place because some of these players started playing 25 years after the end of slavery. And yet they were playing for universities like Brown University Mm -hmm. against Harvard. You know, how did they do that? And what was life like for them. Well, I, the more I dug into it, I realized that they were discriminated against. They often couldn't travel with the team. They had to stay 
someplace else when everyone else was in a hotel. They had to travel there on their own and pay their own expenses. Um, they had to buy shoes and, and, and football equipment for themselves. So there were a lot of um, obstacles they had to overcome, and they persevered. And uh, and, and I, I was inspired by them to just reading about them because they were great people, and they didn't even complain about it. Burl Toller had... Um, an invisible visor that he wore under when when he was uh, the first black uh, who was out in the field um, as an umpire um, as a, a uh, referee, referee. referee. Yeah. and people he he wore an invisible visor under his cap so that he wouldn't be hit in the eye and, and it wouldn't um, you know ruin his vision and he wouldn't talk about that he never made an issue of it. It's only because his kids noticed that one day and they were asking him about it that we even learned about this fact. So he would not, he was discriminated against, but didn't make an issue of it. Um, and, and so that's, that's his attitude and his approach, which was full of humility. And it, it demonstrated great character. He also, and, and I believe this is right, he was the principal, right? There are five of them. Sometimes I get confused. I understood. He was the principal of a school, of a middle school. So he was very much aware that he had to be exemplary to everyone, his family, the kids that's back at school. And he even did volunteer work, you know. So um, <laughs> just just great people all around, all of them. So when you when you think about that, and, and Gary, you can weigh on this too, uh, obviously you, you're seeing this through a lens that uh, the, the white folks sitting around here – can't see through but when you think about how they approached it the way dr king approached it is we're going to show that the discrimination against us is unfounded by being excellent we're going to make people look look dumb that look down on us by 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 being above and beyond uh in in our character and our performance so when you think about the men that y'all write about in the book and i certainly understand that Unfortunately, until Christ returns, uh, we are not going to see a society that is ever completely rid of racism or bigotry. It'll always be here to some degree because human beings are flawed. Uh, it is it is better than it was. But do you think when you see like some of the modern day players and some of the protests that they have done with you know not not wanting to stand for the flag and and these things and they're they're calling attention to their plight? Do you think these men, or maybe even someone like you who played in the early 80s, do you see them as not understanding how far things have come? I know we're not there, and we we want to eradicate any that still exists, but do you think there's a lack of appreciation for what men like are in this book have done for the modern player? Well, I'll say this. One of the things that happened during that those times with the with the with the former guys. If you if you got caught after sundown, yeah, you know, this is one of the things that stood out in my mind. Here, here we're talking about football. We're talking about guys on a team, mm -hmm. and then you talk about here's a guy that can't go home after sundown because he's he, he's threatened or he's killed. One right. of the two things happened right. there. And that's what gave us the courage and the understanding of what we had to do 
not just for black people, but all people, right. so we could understand what these guys went through just to be football players. Yeah, it kind of makes practice look like no big deal mm-hmm. when, when you're just trying to be sure you get home before the sun goes down. Yeah. You know? <laughs> but I guess that's my point. I think, if we, if and you've said it, Bubba, we've all said it, if we don't educate people about our past, um, then then we're just going to not only make the, the, the same mistakes, I think, and you said it, Bubba. It limits the future. Yeah, you know, you you you, you want to understand how far you've come so you can appreciate where you are, and then of course always be committed to saying, well, let's now let's move on to eradicate what's still there, but let's not ignore how far we've come. No doubt, no doubt about it. it you, we've all got a lot to learn, and we've all got to be on the same team. And to believe in uh, football to start with, mm-hmm. we if we can just learn the history of what happened. We'll be much better people, and, and we'll learn from it. So, You know, I think, too, historically, and we've talked about it, Rick, that's, that's the one place that I never felt like there was discrimination when you were on an athletic team because we're all going the same direction. We're all trying to get that W. We're all got our, our brothers back, no matter what their color. I mean, we didn't even think about it back then not, when I was a kid. Not playing sports. No. And, um, you know, I, I think when we get everybody pulling in one direction – it takes, it takes all of our attention to do that as opposed to getting off on all these other tangents. I agree with you 100%. And I'm learning more and more from this book and other stories that we're coming up. We just, we just heard about another book that um, Donna was telling me about. Um, her, her dad, was it her dad? Charles Follis. Charles Follis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Charles Follis's nephew uh, has, written, has released a book um, on him because he was the first professionally play a paid black uh, um, uh, player and he was a great player he ended up um, dying at the age of 31 from pneumonia so it was a very brief uh, lifespan Mm -hmm. but you're now seeing road signs change to Follis Way and you know stadiums named after him because they're discovering what a great player he was and how many inroads he made um, and and how much discrimination he had to put up with he took there were stories about how he would have to change right before going into the stadium so no one knew what he was doing and they'd have to sneak him in. And, um, uh, and anyway, we go into more detail in, in the book, but um, it's, a, it's an amazing story. And, uh, and these people, as I said, were outstanding. Um, and you'd be missing out if you don't learn about them because I think they're, they're you know, we like throughout our history, we've learned about exemplary people. Yeah. And we need to add these guys to the list. No, no doubt. And like we were talking about today, I did not, I had never heard of them. Yeah. Uh, and and so We came along a little bit after yeah, that. Right, and, yeah. and even the discrimination you're talking about and you witnessed, um, I mean, it's, it's, it's really kind of inconceivable to us. I mean, I know it happened and we see oh, I know. the reels, but I just can't imagine treating people that way. You know, I just, it's, it's just completely one football, foreign to us, I guess. One football player said that he, he, he only reason why he did so well is because he had a lot of brothers and they'd beat him up on a regular <laughs> basis. <laughs> right. And so when he played football and the other players were punching him and, you know, kind of landing on him so that he would be on the bottom of the pile, he, he would, he would take his legs and do like a motorcycle mo- movement yeah. to keep them off of him. And he was able to, to play football without getting hurt like the other guys. I mean, the fact that they, you know, they had to go yep. through so so much just to get where they were. 
Um, but they loved the sport. And, and that's the other thing that really uh, affected me and impressed me is that they back then they didn't earn very much money. Right. They weren't compensated no. like right. they are yeah, today. Right. So they played. Gary, How about some of them contracts now, Gary? <laughs> 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 I got to tell you, I got to tell you, these guys earn $15 a day playing two games. In a week? In a week. Oh, wow. Two games in a week oh, for 15 cool. bucks. And that's why most of them played baseball on the off season. Yeah. Oh, so they they played multiple sports long before we heard of these multiple sport athletes. All of them did it because that was a way to pick up some more money. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> we'll come back. We'll continue our conversation. Here's what the name of the book is: Glory, the Struggle for Yards. You can find it on all the online stores. You can go to Amazon and pick it up, and and you'll read about these incredible men: uh, the Black Cyclone, Charles Follis. Uh, motorcycle McDonald, Henry McDonald, uh, the first Haitian to ever play uh, a professional uh, football, Gideon Smith, uh, the first uh, African-American varsity athlete in any sport, uh, and, uh, and then, of course, uh, the human tornado, Fritz Pollard, is the first black coach to ever be in the National Football League. So these are some of the stories, and, of course, you hear Gary's incredible story as well, and we'll talk more about that when Rick and Bubba University, the podcast continues right after this. So, Bubba, we, we love the folks at Patriot Mobile. We've been talking about this a lot. And, you know, we all love to be able to get great service. But if we're honest, sometimes the company that's providing the service and we see the things they stand for, we see the things they do, you get a little squeamish and you're like, you know what, I, is there, I, I wish I could maybe get this service from somebody else. Right, right. Don't well, always support what they're doing. No, well, uh, when it comes to wireless, uh, there is a choice. Uh, the, the Patriot Mobile has been America's only Christian conservative wireless provider. And when I say uh, the only, I mean the only. Uh, and uh, that's why so many uh, uh, have switched and love Patriot Mobile. Uh, they're offering dependable nationwide coverage, giving you the ability to access all the three major networks, which I know that we don't, we're not asking you to come down on quality, which means you get the same coverage you've been accustomed to without funding maybe movements that you don't agree with. So when you switch to Patriot Mobile, you're sending the message you support uh, support uh, free speech, you support religious freedom, the sanctity of life, the Second Amendment, you're supporting our military, our veterans, our first responders. Uh, and when you call for service, uh, guess what? Uh, everybody you're talking to is completely uh, 100% U.S.-based customer service team. So switching is easy. Keep the number you got now if you want to. Keep the phone if you want to. Or if you want to upgrade, they'll help you with that too. Uh, the team is ready to find the best plan for your needs by going to patriotmobile.com slash rickbubba. Just put the two names together. patriotmobile.com slash rickbubba. Or you can call them at 972-PATRIOT. Get free activation when you use the offer code Rick Bubba. Rick and Bubba University, the podcast. Gary Burley is with us. Donna uh, Francavilla is also with us. The book is Glory, The Struggle for Yards. Uh, this is the inspiration from the turn of the century, African-American unsung heroes, uh, and you can get it wherever you get books. Gary, I, I've got to know, too, and it's a little off the topic today, but being a defensive end, yep. I want to know which quarterback you feared the most. Quarterback that I feared? Yes, mm-hmm. that you go, man, we're going uh, we to have buddy, a long we, we day today. we got to get after this guy. Terry, Terry um, uh, Bradshaw? Bradshaw. Bradshaw. Oh, really? That was a tough guy. He really was. And um, there's there's so many great guys. I, you know, Doug Williams, all the guys that that put all their effort into the game, you knew that 
they were going to be tough to beat. Some we beat, some we didn't. But the, those were the three guys that um, I, I look forward to playing every time we had a good game. How about people hard to tackle that yeah. you thought, man, when this guy comes it's like It's here, like hitting a truck. Yeah. I'm going to have to – I'm going to get as much punishment as I'm going to dish out on this guy. Well, you know, I never had a problem tackling guys because Johnny Ma- – not Johnny Majors, but my um, elementary school football coach. You're going all the way back to your elementary school. Yeah. Right? yeah. He taught me. So when you're out there playing for the Bengals, <laughs> we need to credit him for teaching you how to tackle right. Exactly. Right. Because, you know – Guys don't tackle anymore. No, they don't. You know, and it, it's hard to watch. And it's tough. It's it's very tough. But I learned that if you tackle tackle those knees, you can't go nowhere. That's the one lesson that I learned. What seventy years ago, sixty years ago, whatever mm-hmm. it is. Mike Jackie was my head coach, and he said, "If you look at their waist and you tackle their waist, you'll end up." And to knees. And that was with me for the rest of my life or for the rest of my career. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the way I tackle guys. But now, man, I don't know how they do it. But yeah, it's a different. I, I think about, you know, the times that you played, you go out there right now. I mean, even in coaching, I, I've, I've had people ask me to coach before, and I said, well, I can't coach interior linemen because the way we did it is not legal anymore. <laughs> you know, the, 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 and so I don't know. I don't know how to teach blocking. I don't know how to teach getting off a block, and you know. And but when you played, so when it came to man on man, who was that tackle that you thought was the most difficult to get to get, to get around? Who, who was the tough person blocking you? Franco Harris. Oh, so coming out of the backfield. Uh-huh. So he cut you, or would he just hit you up? Well, high? he's so big. Yeah. Well, like I said, I go at the knees. That that was it. But Franco. Yeah. This guy had more talent and skill as a running back. Yeah. I mean, you know, of course, Tony Dorsett, I, I got to tell right. the guy. But, yeah. Oh, yeah. But the big guys, he, so, was, he was the most. So, Frank, so Franco, he because he, the way he ran even, yeah. he was smart about trying not to take a big hit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I didn't realize that he was so big and strong, too, though. Oh, yeah. He was big and strong. He kind of kept his feet under him. He you know, did. he wasn't yeah. like a slasher. Yeah. To me, he always looked like he was running on ice. Yeah. Almost. He kept yeah, his like feet under careful, him, yeah. you know. Uh-huh. And, but, boy, he was a load moving forward. Now, a guy that I didn't have to tackle during practice was my, my teammate. Pete Johnson. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. boy, he was a that load. guy was a load. That's a mm-hmm. load right there. <laughs> yep. But, but now, so offensive lineman, you didn't have any offensive lineman that bothered your doll. Oh yeah. So who was the best offensive lineman? Um, I'd have to say, what's the center's name for the Steelers? Oh yeah, Mike Webster. Mike Webster. Yeah, Mike. Yeah. Mike was. Phew. He, he, he was a pro. That, that whole offensive line for the Steelers was oh, pretty good. They didn't right. have that a whole team was good. Right? They didn't have a, a weak person. <laughs> well, four, four Super Bowls. Yeah, yeah, yeah they like did that. something right. <laughs> yeah, they did. But I mean, and they had to play y'all twice a year. <laughs> well, and in those days too, which really wasn't fair. They had, you know, they called them the five hundred five. They had five offensive linemen that could bench over five hundred, mm-hmm. including Mike. Then they had the steel curtain on defense. Then they had Bradshaw. Then they had Franco. Then they had Lynn Swan. Then they had John Stallworth. You know, and then they had Jack Jack Lambert. Then they had Jack Ham. And I mean, and you're like, but in those days, because of no free agency, they yeah. just would come back and have the same team next year. You know, that's exactly. when you can put a dynasty together when the yeah. players can't leave. You know, and and so when you look at the money, even even in the the seventies and the eighties, when you look at the money, uh-huh. can you believe it? I mean, I, I can't. Yeah. 
you know, my my biggest salary, I think, was $250,000. Okay, I wasn't going to ask you that, but I'm glad you yeah. got that. That's what yeah. we wanted to know. Yeah. But compared to yeah. $10 million that they <laughs> wow. make now, yeah. it's unbelievable. I mean, I'm, but you couldn't believe I'm, you were getting that at that time, probably. No, right? I couldn't. I was happy. You know? Yeah. But, you know, I, I'm happy for the guys that get paid like that because they were pioneers for the guys that right. didn't get it. That's right. true. Here's the $15, $15 an hour guys, mm-hmm. or $15 a game guys, right. compared to $50 million guys, right. dollars. So, so I'm, I'm happy. But, but I, don't you want to use this book to make sure sh- that they need to know that? Yes, you know, because sometimes you got to know the people that yeah. laid down, you know, the path for you, so you can have respect for what they do and take the field on their behalf. We but if I don't know it, yeah, you know, I'm, I, I don't appreciate it. Well, Donna and I and uh, Ralph, we've been doing everything we can to promote this book, but also to teach people what they need to know about this. Because just think about this: there's people that have never heard of any of these characters yeah. or any of the things that these guys did or or, or did during right. uh, their careers. So, you know, it's our job to teach people. Especially if you're younger than us because we followed sports and yep. pro football and I, I didn't know any of these guys. No, we, I mean, we'll do it. We yeah, do it. Yeah. And here we are, going to be 60 this year, and if you start you start think, uh, talking about people that broke into the game – I mean, I'm I'm I can, I'm remembering thinking I really got something thinking about Gail Sayers and and people like that. And I'm like, no, this, this happened long yeah. before any of that. Yeah. Oh yeah, you know, long before any of that. So I've got I've got to ask you about one more. I, I and I know this is a painful memory. One of the Super Bowls oh, here you're we in, go. but Joe Montana. Look at his face. Joe Look Montana. You was he, you, that, why would you was do that? Eighty two. He was he was the quarterback of the, of the Niners in eighty two, right? When y'all played him in the Super Bowl. Eighty one. Eighty one. Yeah. Eighty one Super Bowl. Yeah. Yes, that is the. You had it. Bad feeling. For you me. had the game. Yeah. What well, was it? 20, 20, 20 I, don't, I don't remember the score. Twenty six, twenty one. Yeah. 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 Mm. Now is this the the one where he went into the huddle, Rick, and said something about, about John, John Candy? John Candy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and and then put that drive together. And here you are, just just out there. What are you thinking? I mean, are you just like, guys? We we just did it drive you crazy too with their offense because he was the three. Three step, drop, throw it. You never really got a chance to rush him much, did you? Not at he all. He got rid of that ball pretty dang quick. He had some good guys to run with yeah, it when yeah. they caught it. But, but you know, the, the the thing about it is, we played that game like two teams. You know, we were good. I mean, you got to be good to get to the Super Bowl, right? No, no right. question, no question. But um, somebody had to win, somebody had to yeah. lose. And it went right down and, to the end. You couldn't exactly. have had it much closer. Yeah, he didn't get embarrassed. No, not at all. And and that's that's something that you have to learn in football. You know, you got to play hard. And if you don't win, you play the best game you can possibly play. And that that's what keeps us going or keeps everybody going about football. Yeah, I, I think any of us, you know, no matter what you're doing, it goes beyond football, but we're using football for a great uh, analogy, and it's always a good one. You can live with yourself if you can honestly say, and I'm not trying to be corny, this mm-hmm. is true. If you get in that vehicle after that game was over and you go, Montana put together the drive, he made the plays, they beat us, but I know that I did everything I could to win that game. I, I didn't loaf. I, I didn't miss an assignment. Uh, I knocked I, him down a few times. Yeah, I just got beat. <laughs> I, just, I just got beat. 
you know, and, and there's a time, it's, I feel like we're living in a time now, of course, my dad always hated this uh, and he would not allow it. We, we make excuses about everything now. Yeah. You know, can't you just say the 49ers lined up and went down the field and won the game? Exactly. Yeah, and it didn't mean we didn't play well. They just did what they had to do and we lost straight up as opposed to, well, I got a bad call here or, you know, I, I, my, my foot started hurting me and I didn't sleep good the night before. And, you know, you, if, if you can get in that vehicle and say, I did everything I could do and they, and they still beat us, yeah. mm-hmm. then G- Gary, so the, be it. the teams you played with, we've documented that. Was there a team or a coach or an organization that you thought, if I get traded to them, I, that would be okay? Or you would have liked to have played for you know what? I, I never thought about that, but you know, when we got trade, when I got traded to the Atlanta Falcons, I thought, "Oh, wow, this is a great place to be in. Uh, I've got a good relationship with some of the guys. Mm-hmm. I, you know, we got some business relationships together." I didn't think about. It. I said, well, "I was just blessed to spend nine years with the Cincinnati Bengals and that team, and then come on to the next level." And I was lucky enough to go to another team. Yeah, so you you just didn't have that mentality in those days. No. Yeah, mm-hmm. and you and you seem to in the book say you had a great experience with the Bengals. I you did. Seem, you seem to like that organization. I love that organization. I mean, Mike Brown, and Paul Brown, and all the other little Browns. That, <laughs> the Browns everywhere. <laughs> the Browns everywhere. Yeah. All those guys, um, you know, they appreciated me not not just because I played football, but because I didn't give them any problems. Right. You know, I didn't get in any trouble, and. Um, it all. I've just been blessed, guys. Yeah, like, just like you. We understand. Yeah. You know, and and when you've been blessed, you continue to be blessed. Amen. And uh, God is is out there with me. Yeah. We'll come back. We're going to finish our conversation, and we'll talk a little bit about uh, a nonprofit that Gary's uh, part of too. That's doing great work. When Rick and Bubba University, the podcast continues right after this. This is the Rick and Bubba Show. Watch more at blazetv.com slash Rick and Bubba. Rick and Bubba, Rick and Bubba. So Gary Burley's our guest. Also, Donna Francovilla is our guest. The book is Glory, The Struggle for Yards. And you can find this uh, on Amazon, uh, other online stores. And this is the uh, inspiration that you'll take from this. Some incredible stories uh, about uh, pioneers in, in the African-American community, unsung heroes. A lot of them, like us, you probably never heard of. And, uh, and what they accomplished uh, in professional sport is uh, is amazing. So look for these stories. And you also get Gary's story, which is also incredible, which uh, we, we've been delving into as well. Um, so let's talk about uh, Pro Academy Sports. Okay. Um, you, uh, you, This is something you said early on in our interview. Uh, the inspiration for this actually happened a long time ago because you saw how these things benefited you. Uh, as a, as a as a, a young man trying to find your way, what is this, and what what are you trying to accomplish with this? Well, I want to teach the fundamentals of, of football, mm-hmm. but also the academics that kids are going to need to take it to the next level. Right, and that's what we do. We we have a, a sports camp, and uh, we invite uh, different guest speakers to come along. That you know, Alabama Power people. Mm. All the people that can help us progress. Yeah. And they talk to us about uh, how to make and save money. Okay. And, and those are the, some of the things that kids don't know about. And we want to teach them. 
Oh, Bobby, you've been preaching mm, that. I know. I know. So, so you're, you know, it is one of the things we, we give them all these inspirational, you know, talks and work hard and good work ethic and, and all that's important. Right. But, but really, if they don't know how to handle money and they don't know how to budget and they don't know how that works, you get in a bind pretty quick. You know, budget is not a four-letter word. No, speaking <laughs> So you guys don't just teach the fundamentals of sport. You're teaching life, including academics and even how to handle money. Yes. As, as a matter of fact, one of the segments of our book is done by Valencia Bell, mm-hmm. and she teaches uh, ACT prep and that type of thing. So we give our kids everything that they need to do. Now, if they don't take advantage of it, then, you know, we, we just well, got to keep on going. Right. But, but a lot of the kids enjoy doing what we're doing. And now that the, uh, the, the, the COVID is over, we want to get right back into doing what we were doing before. And so do you do camps and things like that, or, or how does it work? Well, we have a camp and uh, every week, every Saturday, mm-hmm. um, they all come. And hopefully my wife, who is the president of Miles College, mm-hmm. will let us use her space. <laughs> <laughs> so you, so you, you know somebody you at Miles College. You need a little golden favor there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 need, I need some athletic facilities. You, you don't know where there are any. Yeah, use what you got. Right? Exactly, right. Yeah. exactly. You yeah. got to be resourceful. Um, also, you've been through some difficult things in your life. Uh, and you know, we, we, we talk about this a little bit now, Bubba, I want you to think about this. He's, he's battled cancer. So y'all are, y'all are brothers on that. Bubba has as well. Surgeries, a stroke, a full blown kidney transplant, a bone marrow transplant. Brain surgery. Brain. Gary, think no, you no, want me no. to, Gary, you got any original parts? <laughs> right. uh, yeah. Gary, of course, you know his nickname is Job. Yeah. Uh, no. So, so, uh, my goodness, I mean, here you are, and being around you when you're, you're here on Wednesdays too, uh, you you don't see a bitter man, but you've been through a lot. Why why are you not a bitter man? God. Mm-hmm. God has blessed me. My wife has put me in a position to not. Wor- you know, I gotta I gotta send a shout out to my wife because, sure. you know, she, she was the um, vice president for thirty years with Alabama Power, and for five months, every day, she would work out of my my hospital bed to heal me. Mm. She would talk to me. She would you know do whatever I, she needed to do, and I gotta give it to her, man. So. The answer to your question is, I'm blessed. You know, I, I could have been dead, could have been dead a long time ago, but God said, you know, let me. Let me I got to tell you this. My 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 mom came to my room mm. in the hospital, mm-hmm. and uh, my dad was sitting on the toilet, of course, <laughs> <laughs> and my mom sent me this song mm-hmm. called. Um, Peace Be Still, mm-hmm. and that was by James Cleveland. Mm-hmm. I heard her say, you're going to be fine. Don't worry about it. Cancer or whatever is not going to bother you. So when I woke up, my wife was at the foot of my bed, and I said, Mom, where's my mother? I smell her perfume. Mm-hmm. <laughs> She said, no, honey, your mom's been in heaven for 25 no, years. No, come again, watch out. Now, Gary, mm-hmm. you give us all chills. 
I'm telling you, that's what happened. And I was under the impression that my dad was in the bathroom mm-hmm. still, mm-hmm. and my mom was there. And they, for some reason, I thought she was. That story so touched me that mm-hmm. I made sure that we put it in his bio mm-hmm. in, in the book because I think that they were there to comfort him mm-hmm. spiritually mm-hmm. and to reassure him. Uh, and um, anyway, it's just, it, it gave me chills as well. Yeah, so it, it's so many times the comfort that we need, it certainly comes from God, but it, it comes to us in, you know, the things I guess at the time he thought would be the most comforting. You know, and, and whether that was um, something that he was just from the Holy Spirit, obviously, because, you know, we, we, we don't think we're visited by people from uh, from the other side. But that we certainly can have dreams and, and visions that he gives us. I know that uh, you and I both have uh, I've seen people that uh, that I love that have gone on to glory uh, in a dream. And, and it's almost like it's as real as it ever was. Yeah. yeah. And um, and so um, uh, the Lord always provides what we need. Well. Fascinating stuff, Gary and Donna. Um, I'm I'm glad that you guys. We could talk a lot longer. Yeah, uh, they they limit our our time on these, but yeah. it's been a pleasure to meet you, Gary. Oh, yeah, it really has. Is all we, we didn't even Donna. scratch the surface with Donna, Rick. She, I know she she <laughs> actually worked in the building with us. Yeah, I know. Uh, one time. So. Yeah, that when Speedy was putting all this together. For those of you that may not know the 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 weekly show, that's our producer. He was like, you know, Donna. We we've we, we've yeah. seen Donna. We met Donna several times in the past, and all the the influence influence you have in the we media. We were babies. Here. In radio. That's right. Way, way back when. Well, you worked in New York. We worked here. That's well, a little different. A little, uh, little bit different there. Uh, but anyway, if you want to get the book, you can go get it on Amazon. And if you'd like to find out more about uh, Pro Academy Sports, uh, you can certainly Google that and it'll come up uh, and you can see everything that Gary's doing there. If you want to come alongside and help them, or maybe this is something you would like to get. You know, somebody involved in that uh, you think it would be good for them. Uh, so you can uh, you can find that information as well. Gary Burley and uh, Donna Francovilla. The book is Glory, the Struggle for Yards, uh, and these incredible stories about these wonderful men that, uh, if you're like us, you may have never heard of, uh, but the impact that they've had on professional sport, I didn't even know. Rings loud today. It, it rings yeah. loud today. We, we all owe them uh, a debt. So pick it up. Uh, thank you, Gary. Thank you, Donna. And, and thanks to each and every one of you for taking time to be with us on this edition of Rick and Bobby University, the podcast. <laughs>